gathering song, maybe everyone will finish gathering by then. <laughs> light our chalice and say together, may this flame we light remind us that every one of us can bring the light of love to the world. May this clear flame be a symbol that every heart can write joy, peace, and harmony. May the wisdom of the ages speak to us through this flame and stay in us. Every one of us can be a blessing to the world. As we celebrate Sustainable Hope this Earth Day 2016, let us remember the essential connection between stewardship and spiritual practice. Most of us know what we need to do to lead more sustainable lives. If we were at the 10 o'clock service, we learned a lot more. We know that consciously creating a green lifestyle is the single most powerful way for ordinary citizens to make a difference in the future quality of life on Earth. Sustainable living offers us an ongoing opportunity to practice spiritual mindfulness. Each conscious, Earth-friendly act, composting, reusing, recycling, repairing, carpooling, eco-wise shopping, and conserving water and energy is also an act of spiritual mindfulness. It is the degree of mindfulness that we bring to our most ordinary daily acts of sustainability that determines the sacredness of our lives. Indeed, it is mindfulness that transforms the mundane into the sacred. Please join me in speaking our covenant together. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace to seek the truth in love, and to help one another.
Good morning, and happy Earth Day to everyone. I'm Kate Potter. I'm on your board of trustees, and you have this white insert inside your program this morning. Please take that home. It's a great reminder of everything that's going on here. I wanted to call your attention to a couple of things. Um, if you uh, missed Julia Harris's great performance um, presentation this morning at 10 o'clock, um, this has a copy of this great book has been obtained for every family in at Hope. So if you did not receive one yet this morning, please stop um, by the table on your way out and pick one up after church. Okay, this is great. So great information for us all. The big uh, thing coming up this week is the garage sale. Uh, the Hope Garage Sale is going to be this Friday and Saturday, um, all day, 9 to 5, I think, on Friday, and then until 3 o'clock on Saturday. It's a fundraiser for the church, so we are asking that everyone pitch in and help. Um, you can drop things off this week, starting after church today and all day, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think until 3, and then Thursday we have extended hours um, until 6.45 to drop things off. We also need people to help out a little bit with sorting and, and pricing and maybe pick up. So if you can help at all this week, please do. There's a big sign-up poster out there on the table, so sign up when you can come and help out a little bit. Many hands make light work, and garage sales are a lot of work, so we, we need everyone to pull together and help um, bring this off. So that's this Friday and Saturday. We're hoping it'll be a very successful uh, fundraiser for the church. So after all of that, um, Sunday morning, we're letting everyone sleep in a little bit, and there will not be a breakfast uh, here Sunday morning. So uh, we'll all be here Friday and Saturday for the garage sale, and then we'll just have our 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock um, things Sunday morning, but no breakfast um, Sunday for May. Okay, and then one more thing. A week from this Saturday, May 7th, is going to be a great evening of entertainment here by Brenda Galley, a music of the 1940s, and it's um, period costume and visuals and stories and, and footage and, and all the popular songs from that decade here. It's going to be a great evening of, of entertainment. It is a fundraiser from the auction for the church, so it is $50 a person. There will be... Um, I think wine and order order some light refreshments for that also. So mark that on your calendar and please come if you can. It's going to be a very enjoyable evening. That is a week from this Saturday on May seventh. And uh, for tickets, you can either see Ada Galley or or Janet Nobles if you'd raise your hands, please for for tickets for that. From so hope to see you all there. We or <coughs> me. We organized the service today around the ancient Greek symbols when they thought the earth was made of only earth, air, fire, and water. I think Maggie did a beautiful job of picking a logo to put on our cover. So I'm reading the reading for earth. We join with earth and with each other to bring new life to the land, to restore the waters, to refresh the earth. To renew the forests, to care for the plants, to protect the creatures. To celebrate the seas, to rejoice in the sunlight, to sing the song of the stars. To recreate the human community, to promote justice and peace. To remember our children. We join with the earth. Join together as many and diverse expressions of one loving mystery. 
for the healing of the earth and the renewal of life. Please join in singing Hymn 123, Spirit of Life.
such a big group here. I want to make a comment before I start with my prepared remarks, and that is, this is the fourth of our Earth Day services, and this afternoon later would be the fourth of our picnic, Earth Day picnics so far, <coughs> except that <coughs> two years ago, Mother Nature reminded us that she's in charge, so we couldn't have a picnic on that occasion. But I say all that to say that our church is really changing due to the efforts of our tireless minister that we installed a week ago. We, uh, <clears throat> the average age in this church is dropping dramatically. And so for the first time, <laughs> that is a good thing. And so for the first time, we will be, this is kind of a turning point in our uh, Earth Day services in that we will be expanding the age uh, range uh, from early teenager to mid-80s, uh, and uh, this is something that we will certainly uh, want to grow on, and we, I said those two, but all ages in between. Uh, is that a, okay? Uh, <coughs> let me uh, start with, this is not a reading, actually it's going to be a commentary. And the commentary is about Earth Day, and it's about mindfulness. And so uh, I will be talking about both of those things. There's a point I'm going to make at the end, and uh, before we get there, however, uh, there are some uh, five things that I want to mention to you that are facts. And so uh, those, uh, so no one has to ask, are we there yet? You can count to five, and you'll know when we're there. Uh, <coughs> Look at the uh, earth up on that screen there. How many of you can see Chicago or Buenos Aires or Mexico City? Nobody raises your hand, I hope, because you can't. And my point is, you can also not see the atmosphere. The atmosphere is very, very thin. It's so thin that uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, says our atmosphere is kind of like a coating of varnish on a classroom globe. 
How thin is it? That's the thing that uh, is our number two thing. Uh, let me put it this way. The three layers of the atmosphere where greenhouse gases accumulate extend to a, about 50 miles. 50 miles. That's an I-44 drive to Stroud from here, not quite uh, to halfway to Oklahoma City. And only 11 miles of that atmosphere has air in it that's habitable. That's a creek turnpike drive to Sepulpa. Mary Robinson's TED Talk in the adult RE a few weeks ago reminded us that so far the world's developed nations have been putting most of the CO2 in the air. <clears throat> in other words, a tiny part of the problem is us, as Pogo would say, including me and my family and all of you that Ruth and I look forward to being with on Sunday mornings. <clears throat> as the, this is another big hand, as the emerging nations begin to make the progress that we would like to see them make, and they would obviously like to see themselves make, billions of people will be adding CO2 into that atmosphere. On Earth Day Friday, and this I'm going to have to change a little bit because of what I read in the paper this morning. <clears throat> On Earth Day Friday, April 22, last, last Friday, representatives, as you no doubt have read, of 175 nations signed the accord that was reached in Paris in December of 2015. And uh, that, uh, at that conference, the Pope and our president and 194 other world leaders reached a landmark agreement on goals aimed at slashing the global greenhouse emissions. But, big but, it's clearly not their job to make that happen. It's ours, all of us. Okay, we've reached the five facts. Good news is, this is my commentary on it, <clears throat> good news is that a lot has been accomplished in reducing air and water pollution. That statement was in what I had prepared in this morning's newspaper. Guess who takes credit for that? <laughs> Senator Jim Inhofe of all people, <clears throat> along with having made the comment uh, that uh, the agreement that was just signed on Friday will be a, quote, utter failure, end quote. Okay, well, let's all work together to really uh, make him wrong on that. <clears throat> but uh, long term, what I mentioned that we've made a lot of progress on, water, on air and water pollution. That's because local publics got involved. And there are a lot of examples of that that I don't have time to talk about and won't, but uh, uh, and there has been an improvement in, in pollution in both air and water. But long term, what's going to be needed is the other I word that I've talked about in uh, previous Earth Day services, that is innovation as well as involvement. 
innovation is something that is going to eventually completely eliminate the use of fossil fuels. At least that's the intent, and I certainly hope for the sake of all of us that that will happen. And I believe it will. But short term, they're going to need time for that kind of development, and that's where we come in. And we've heard a lot here about from Julia this morning and from various other places and from the path that the, the, the green page that's in your order of service this morning about how we can individually contribute to it. And Julia gave us very good reasons why, even though it's a tiny contribution, very good reasons why we personally want to. So we need to all be involved along with the rest of the planet's public. May it be so that future generations will remember and appreciate that our global community did that. Water. <laughs> the first one is from Edward Gargan from River's Tale. Rivers are inherently interesting. They mold landscapes, create fertile deltas, provide trade routes, a source for food and water, a place to wash and play. Civilizations emerge next to rivers in China, India, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. They sustain life and bring death and destruction. They are ferocious at times, gentle at times. They are placid and mean. They trigger conflict and delineate boundaries. Rivers are the stuff of metaphor and fable, painting and poetry. Rivers unite and divide, a thread that runs from source to exhausted release. 
The next one's from Jacques Cousteau. It is fashionable nowadays to talk about the riches of the sea. The ocean is regarded as sort of a bargain basement, but I don't agree with that estimate. People don't realize that water in the liquid state is very rare in the universe. Away from Earth, it is usually gas. This moisture is a blessed treasure and is our basic duty, if we don't want to commit suicide, to preserve it. The next one's from Carl Sagan. Anything else you're interested in is not going to happen if you can't breathe the air and drink the water. Don't sit this one out. Do something. You are by accident of fate alive at an absolutely critical moment in the history of our planet. I have three readings this morning. The first, entitled The Volcano, 
written by a young boy known, known just as Will W. And this is taken from the Children's Poetry Bookshelf Poems website. Around the volcano, an insidious atmosphere lands. As magma bursts out, things begin to change. While rocks tumble, the volcano plays its malevolent hand. Beings scream as it maliciously laughs and cackles. Above, smoke and steam make a defining band of rain and humidity. It crashes down. This is its final stand. Once the destruction is over, the town begins to mend its broken hands. The scorched fields, still steamy hot, now barren forever. The volcano hisses and spits. It's over. The second reading is entitled, Nuclear Power Is, by Eileen May Ryan from the Power Poetry website. Nuclear power is all the blades of my backyard incinerated instantly, and all the blades around their dead choking on radiation except the blades are people, stories, faces, hundreds of thousands of faces gone, hundreds of thousands of voices silenced at once, all from the last straw. Death without courtroom, without lawyer, without trial, without hope. Nuclear power is massacre of men, women, children, and babies. But it gets worse because nuclear power is pollution in the air that we breathe, in the air that the earth breathes as she gives birth to all blessings. The blessings, flowers, roses, daisies, violets, all slit by this mushroom taking root in the sacred garden with radiation running through the water we drink. Nuclear power is power that no one should have. Nuclear power is half lives, never empty, never full so that a particle the size of my fingerprint lasts longer than the Bible, longer than any of our marks, any of our marks. Nuclear power is cancer, caused not by God, but by people who hold the trigger for the sickness and for the cure. The cure is ourselves. We need to outlaw any fusion, any fission that would lead us to the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 
We need to shut down any and all power plants that would lead us to meltdowns of Chernobyl and Fukushima. We need to reason, not for death and not for cancer, and not for death from cancer, but for life, for health, for lives of health, and for peace. Did you know that the sun burns brighter, lasts longer, and has more power in one square inch than a nuclear plant in one square mile? Don't you believe that if we can fuse atoms, split atoms, then we can harness the power of this unlimited resource? Unlimited resource, unlimited hope. And I hope, my friends, that you look toward the sky and see not a mushroom trickling fear, but a sunflower bursting with hope. The third reading is entitled, Fire and Ice, by Robert Frost. Some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. Now from what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if I had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, Ice is also great and would suffice. This month's offering goes to you use guests at your table. They do really good work, and this is the last offering of the month, so please give as generously as you can. And the song will be sung by Larry Sharp. It was written in honor of Rachel Carson. Good morning. I want to second Richard's uh, recognition of the young people in this church. This is our future. And I'm so delighted that they're here, and I've made a ton of new friends. And uh, it's just a pleasure to come to church here. Um, I've been trying to age gracefully, (laughs) but this morning I fell off the ledge. I couldn't read the darn music when I got up this morning, so I'm wearing my glasses today. So uh, whatever comes out, we'll just go with Um 
river beds and highlands, living creatures, growing seeds. Spring will not be silent. Rain will fill the ponds and lakes. Then the vapor rises, water so a cycle makes, and spring will not be silent. Iridescent wings flutter in the twilight through the night cicada sing spring will not be silent humans in their Try to rule the world like tyrants, poisoning and destroying out of greed and ignorance. One stood up to tell the truth. She loved all life and science, nature's suffering. And she would not be silent. Join our voices, we'll be strong. Our chorus will be giant. Heal the earth, will be our song. And spring will not be silent. Special in the universe is a blue-green island. If we help to heal the earth, spring will not be We say together, we build on foundations we did not lay. We warm ourselves at fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. We are ever bound in community. 
by these gifts we extend that community. Please join me in singing the next hymn with special Earth Day lyrics. words for extinguishing the chalice. Understanding that our destiny is forever linked with the fate of the earth, that the health of our souls is inextricably related to the health of our planet, is at the heart of stewardship as a spiritual practice. We aspire towards a fresh beginner's mind as we compost, plant trees, shop with green values, conserve, recycle, reuse, and repair. By consuming less, we end up with so much more. Gently, inexorably, both our spiritual practice and our stewardship are changing us and changing the world. For many of us, it is our connection with the earth that reawakens our soul and imbues us with a sense of the sacred. Often, some of our deepest personal healing takes place through our relationship with the natural world. By joining sustainable living with spiritual practice, we can heal the earth as the earth heals us. Go in peace and be a blessing. Bye.